Listen, we're going to wrap up our series called Jesus Said Blessed this morning. And I just want to encourage you that we are a blessed people. You know, one of the ways that that word blessed can be translated as happy, I, I think that that's appropriate, but I think it is even better than that. It is beyond happy. But you know, there's a lot of unhappy Christians in our world today. They don't realize that they are supposed to be a blessed people. But maybe it is in part that they're not living in these principles that are given to us here by our Savior in what we call the Beatitudes. I want to read all of them to you this morning. We're just going to read through them. Jesus said, Matthew 5, 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus declares this truth to us, blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This isn't anybody's favorite scripture. They're not, you know, they don't make refrigerator magnets with this verse on them. You know what I'm saying? I mean, blessed are the persecuted. This is one of those verses that most of us would prefer to just kind of skip over. Let's just don't talk about that. I mean, how fun can that be to talk about being persecuted? But we need to understand that Jesus tells us that there is a great blessing here. And we need to get that blessing in our life. You see, we need to realize that we as a believer, if we really live righteously, if we live for God, there's going to be times that we're persecuted and we need to have the right attitude. We need to have the right heart, the right response when we are persecuted. But whenever Jesus gives us something that's really tough or maybe hard to swallow, well, a lot of the time he'll expound it. He'll explain further. And so how can being persecuted be a good thing? Well, he goes on in verse 11 and 12. He says, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I want you to notice here that he says rejoice and be exceedingly glad. You realize that we're supposed to be really happy? We're supposed to be excited when we're persecuted for His name's sake? I want you to know that that is not the response that most Christians have to being persecuted. No, instead, a lot of them just get mad. Mad or sad. But I want to tell you, that's not happy. That's not blessed. We need to realize that if we have the right heart, the right attitude, then we can be happy. We can rejoice we can be glad when we're persecuted. So we need this message this morning. We need to understand this truth this morning. Amen. Too many sad, too many mad Christians. Right. We need to be rejoicing. Right. You say, oh, but it's bad in this world. And you know what? Christians are being mistreated. We need to rejoice. Jesus said we exceedingly glad. Well, I, I'm glad y'all are so excited about this message already. 
But I just want you to understand, you see, we need to get a hold of this. There's something here. If our Savior is saying, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Well, it's this last beatitude. It's the longest one. It's the hardest one to embrace. It's the only one that comes with a command. He tells us, here's a command, rejoice and be glad. Mm -hmm. It's the only one with an explanation. It's the only one that he repeats twice. It's the only beatitude that's directed directly to us. And all the others, he says, are those. And in this one, he goes on from verse 10, he says, are the persecuted. And then in verse 11, he says, blessed are you. He's talking directly to us. And he says, rejoice and be glad. You see, there's this apparent uh, paradox here that you know, how, how can we count it as a good thing to be mistreated? I mean, that's just kind of strange. Everybody likes to be liked. Everybody wants to be treated well. And this blessing tells us that when we're mistreated, there's something good that happens. He says, here's the blessing. He says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And this isn't just talking about someday you're going to go to heaven. It doesn't say theirs will be. It says theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God is in our life right now. And when we're being persecuted for Jesus, we're experiencing His rule and reign in our life. It is a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. There is a special presence of God, the hand of God on our lives when we're being persecuted. God is with us in a special way. You're going to see that even more in another verse just a little bit later. But I, I just want you to understand that, you know, a lot of people have the attitude. They say, they say, well, this is the blessing that no one wants. But here's the thing. We want the blessing. We want the kingdom of heaven in our life. And in verse 12, he tells us that when we do get to heaven, our reward will be great. I know a lot of people in this world now we're so we're so right now minded you know we we need to be more eternal minded but we're so right now minded a lot of people they're like oh I don't care about that that's in heaven listen in eternity this thing we call time is just a little blip the book of James tells us that our life is just a vapor that it's here for a moment and then it's gone but eternity is going to last forever you know, a lot of people would get excited if they, they were going to get a million dollars at retirement. I want to tell you, a million dollars is all going to burn. It's all going to fade away. But the reward that we get in heaven, it's going to last forever. And when we get to heaven, the reward, it, contrary to what a lot of people think, the reward is not the same for everybody. No, the Bible tells us there will be some with no reward. They just make it in just as by fire, the Bible says. But then there are going to be others who have a great reward. And if you're persecuted, Jesus says, your reward will be great. It's not nothing when He tells us that our reward will be great. No, it's something that we look forward to and we know that our God is faithful to keep His Word. I just want to give you this quick definition. The word persecute here means to pursue in a hostile manner, to harass, to trouble, to vex or oppress. And I know that most of us have never experienced 
life-threatening persecution. But it goes on all over the world in, uh, in different places, in different countries. There are still countries where just being a Christian can cause you to be put to death or imprisoned. And we need to pray for our brothers and sisters in those countries where there is such terrible persecution. But most of us, we, we don't have that threat in our life. But you do need to be aware that all of us who really live for Jesus are going to suffer persecution of some kind. They'll revile you. They'll say all kinds of bad things about you. Many ways that you can be persecuted here, even in our country. And Jesus tells us that we are to rejoice and be glad. We need to be encouraged and strengthened that Jesus says the persecuted are blessed. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now you'll notice he didn't say, Hey, everybody that goes to church. Hey, everybody that claims to be a Christian. He says, All who desire to live godly. There's a word that's not used a whole lot in church culture today. It's amazing to me how so much of church culture, the pop theology of the day, has departed from biblical words and biblical principles like being godly. That just doesn't sound hip and cool. Being godly. Yeah, living the way that God wants us to live. Living by the standards, the principles of Scripture. Living a righteous life. We tend to think that everything ought to just go right for us if we're serving the Lord and, you know, that everybody ought to just be nice to us and, you know, we're Christian and we're nice, so why aren't they nice to us? But I just got to tell you, if you're really living for God, living in the blessings of God, you will be persecuted and you need to know that because so many people get disillusioned. You know, that I'm a good Christian and I go to church. I don't understand why I'm encountering these hard times, why this happened to me, why these people don't like me. And you also need to be, you need to be aware of it so that you'll be prepared to respond the right way. We need to have that attitude that we can rejoice and be glad. See, persecution for the for righteousness' sake, that, that starts really early in the Scripture. Have you ever thought about the fact that Abel, the first person that was ever murdered, he was a martyr, he was, he was killed by his brother Cain for righteousness' sake. You know, Cain didn't do what was right. And he despised, he envied his brother Abel because the Lord had blessed him. Abel did what was right and, and the Lord blessed him. And that made Cain angry. And so the Lord tells Cain, if you'll do right, you'll be received. But instead of doing right, he went out and he killed his brother Abel. First martyr, first one persecuted for righteousness sake. And people say, oh, poor Abel, poor Abel. No, not poor Abel. Abel was immediately in the presence of God. Abel was the first man in heaven. <laughs> and I want to say, listen, every person that was ever martyred for Christ, in the next moment they were in heaven in the presence of God. 
I just want you to get this, that you see, we, we get this negative mindset about persecution. We, re, we need to realize that there's a great reward, that there are great blessings when we are persecuted for the name of Jesus. Talk about the right attitude. The first Christian martyr was Stephen. He was stoned to death. And as he was stoned, he looked up and he said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Now, the Bible tells us that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. So some have supposed that maybe Jesus was giving Stephen a standing ovation. I don't know, but I do know this, that he had a great experience with the Lord. In that moment, it was so powerful, so awesome... He, it, listen, him being stoned to death wasn't the thing. He was focused on the face of Jesus. And those who were standing by, listen, those that stoned him to death, listen to what Stephen says. He knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Here's a man that understood the blessing that was his. As he beheld the face of Jesus, and in that next moment, he was in the presence of Jesus. But listen to his attitude. Lord, don't lay this charge, this sin on them. Amazing how that he prays this prayer, much like our Lord Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And yet most Christians get angry and mad and they want to say, God, get them. Wrong attitude. Y'all don't get quiet on me this morning because I want to tell you something. This may be a difficult message. This may not be the most you know, exciting message you ever heard, but I want to tell you something. We need this in our world. We as believers, we need to understand that Jesus said this. You're blessed when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. There is a great blessing for those that are persecuted for righteousness. In 1 Peter 4, 12 through 16... Well, before we go there, let me, just, let me just mention about Stephen's death a little further. A lot of people don't realize this, but the church had basically stayed in Jerusalem for seven years until Stephen was stoned to death. And when Stephen was stoned to death, then the church dispersed through the whole area. They went out preaching the gospel in every city. It was the beginning of the explosion of the church of Christianity where it just spread like wildfire. But it began with the stoning of Stephen. You see, sometimes we, we just look at our little situation and what we're going through. We don't think about how God may use it to spread the gospel. There was a man that was there, the Bible tells us, a man named Saul that stood by and watched as Stephen was stoned. It says that he was watching the clothes of those who were stoning Stephen to death. We know him later as the Apostle Paul. Who knows what great impact that event might have had on his heart, maybe prepared him for when the Lord would confront him on the road to Damascus. 
And I'm just telling you that many times God uses what persecution we go through, He uses it to impact the lives, the hearts of other people. You see, it's not much to say, yeah, I'm a Christian and I go to church and everything's great for me. But when you're going through all kinds of problems and when you stand strong, even when it costs you, it says something to a lost world. They want some, They want to see that our faith is genuine and real and life-changing. Right. Nobody's interested in some phony religion. But I'll tell you, there's a lot of hungry people that are looking for something real. And when you deal with persecution the right way, it says something about who our God is. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 16, it says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. See, he's telling you, you need to be ready for this. Don't think it's strange, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. Rejoice when you partake of Christ's sufferings. You're talking about sufferings. It reminds me of what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, where he says, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. Oh, yeah. But he also says, in the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings. I want to know Him that way. And here he tells us, Rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Think about this. You see, when we're reproached for the name of Christ, the Spirit of God rests upon us. And get this, the glory of God rests upon us. I can assure you that the glory of God being on you is worth more than all of the persecution you could ever experience. To have the presence of God on your life in that way, the glory of God to rest upon you. What a powerful, awesome thing. How does this happen when people are rejoicing even when they are persecuted? It doesn't happen when people get mad and curse and curse back at those who revile them. That, it doesn't happen then. It happens when we rejoice and are glad. The presence of God, the glory of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, or an evildoer. Most of us are okay there. But get this one. Or as a busybody in other people's matters. Wow. Sticking your nose where it doesn't belong. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. I just want to say, you know, when he's talking about evildoers and busybodies, the point is, is that when we do wrong and we suffer for it, that's not persecution. You deserve that. That's not persecution. But sometimes people get a persecution complex where every negative thing that happens in their life, they want to say that they're being persecuted. No, that's not what this is about. 
This is about being persecuted for righteousness sake because you are living for God. You live in a godly life and you're persecuted. This is about being persecuted for the name of Jesus, that you talk about the Lord and you share your faith and you're persecuted for that. See, some people, they think every time they get in a conflict with somebody else, well, they're, they're being persecuted. Some people, they're just carnal and they're always in strife with people. That's not persecution. Some people get persecuted not because of Jesus or because they're righteous, but because they're kooky. Listen, there's, just like out in the world, there's a lot of kooky people that end up in church. One pastor told about how a woman showed up at his church one day and she was wearing armor, like actual armor, you know. And she said she had the armor of God on and she said, I got a word for the people. And the pastor said, well, ma'am, uh, you're not going to be speaking to anybody here today. She said, you're persecuting me. He said, no, ma'am, you're a kook and you're not going to disrupt our service. And I just want to tell you that that's not uncommon. It may sound a little extreme, but I just want to tell you, some people think they're being persecuted and it's just because they're being kooky, not because they're being used of God. Many years ago, not this church, okay? Many years ago, there was a man who, who threatened, he told his wife he was going to blow up our church. And then he wants to come to church and give a word to everybody. I had a little meeting with him, and I said, no, sir, you're not going to be given a word in our church. He said, you're violating my religious freedoms. He thought he was being persecuted. I'm just telling you, there's a lot of kooky people in this world, and the reason they get persecuted, it's not because they're doing right, it's because they're kooky. And sometimes people get such a mindset about, you know, this persecution complex and thinking they're persecuted all the time, when really what it is is they have gone out and set themselves in conflict with people. And here's what happened, is they want to persecute unbelievers. They think it's their job to go persecute unbelievers, harass, vex, Giving unbelievers a hard time. You're, you're bad and you're going to hell. That's not our message. Our message is, is that God loves you and He paid the price for your sin on the cross. That's our message. It is the message of reconciliation. Our, our message is not, you're bad and you're going to hell. And you see, when people go out and they want to attack the lost, they want to persecute the lost, guess what happens? You get some back. That's not being persecuted for righteousness sake. That's being persecuted for being an old religious Pharisee. I'll give you the extreme example. Guy blows up an abortion clinic and kills some people, and then he gets prosecuted and put in jail, and he said, I'm being persecuted for righteousness sake. No, you're being punished for being a murderer. And this scripture tells us very plainly that if we're going to suffer persecution, it's not for doing wrong, it's for doing right. It's for the name of Jesus that we're persecuted. Jesus says we're blessed when we're persecuted for righteousness' sake. You know, I think some people, you need to remember it's, it's because of righteousness' sake. I think some people, they actually seek persecution. 
Don't seek persecution. You seek the kingdom and his righteousness. You see, when we're trying to live a righteous life, you don't have to seek persecution. It'll come to you. But when we are really living for God, yes, persecutions will come. So I think sometimes people, you, they, just, they don't want any persecution, and so they just want to get along, and they just kind of make compromises along the way. They kind of keep their Christianity a secret. They don't ever talk about the Lord. But Paul says, if I should seek to please men, I shouldn't be the servant of Christ. No, we're in this world for a reason. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. I want you to think about this, that in verse 10 through 12, Jesus is talking about the blessing that comes when we are persecuted for righteousness and for His name. And then in verse 13, the very next thing that He says, He says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. He's talking about that we're supposed to be different. And when we lose our differentness, our saltiness, we no longer have any impact on this world around us. See, we got to be willing to be different. If it's, it's either the world's way or the Word's way. See, we're going to live for God. We're going to live by the teachings of Scripture. And it doesn't matter what the world thinks. But listen, that's how we have an impact in this world. It's because we are different. It's because we're living a righteous life, living godly for Christ Jesus. And so we got to be willing to be different. You can't just blend in and make a difference. And then he goes on and he says, You're the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, we need to be willing to share our faith and talk about the Lord. And notice here, though, that he also mentions our good works, that men will see our good works. It's not just the talk. we got to walk the walk. And there are going to be some who are going to glorify our Father in heaven when they see it. And there are going to be some that are going to hate you and want to persecute you. But we're blessed when that happened and we happens and we have to hold to our convictions we got to choose to live right in the choices that we make in our character our conduct we got to choose to do the right thing the thing that would please the lord you know sometimes if you've made a commitment to god that you're not going to drink you're not going to you know participate you know in that kind of activity and you're with some people that are all drinking and you don't drink you may be ostracized because of your commitment to God and your conviction to hold that value and they'll say things about you like oh you think you're better than everybody else they may call you a Pharisee they may even call you a hypocrite and look for some fault in you to try to tear you down listen if you're a single person or a teenager, and you make a commitment to God to keep yourself sexually pure until you are married, I can assure you there's going to be somebody that wants to mock you, make fun of you, call you a goody-goody. You think you're better. But I want you to know something. When you have a commitment like that, it speaks. It says something to people. You know, Tim Tebow famous football player, made a commitment to God that he would stay a virgin until he got married. So here he was, 
professional NFL football player, 25 years old, and never broken that vow. And they ridiculed him, they made fun of him, they mocked him all the time. But I want you to know he has had a tremendous impact on a lot of people's lives for his commitment and his stand to speak for Jesus and not be ashamed. And I'm just telling you, see, that's what we need. That's what Jesus is talking about here, is that we live a righteous life and we speak about Him. We share our faith with others. And there's great reward in that. I'll tell you, here's a great reward. Just if one person gets saved because of your witness, your testimony, your character, your life, it's worth it. You know, sometimes you get excluded from a group because you don't participate in their crude humor. Sometimes in this world today, just Christian parents just disciplining their children in love according to the Scripture, and some person is going to call CPS. We're just living in a time where, listen, if you really live right and do right according to the Bible, you're going to be persecuted. If we're not being persecuted, something's wrong. Because if we really live right, there's going to be times when people will speak against us and attack us. And, you know, sometimes unchurched people can be very respectful of our convictions. And other times they'll just be aggressive about going after you. Just a few weeks ago, I had an insurance adjuster out at my house, and Curtis Ramsey was there, and we were talking to this young man, and this young man had been fired from his previous job because he became a Christian. And his boss, he told him, he said, you don't need Jesus and going to church all, and all that. He says, I'm your God. And the young man would not back down from his faith, and so the guy fired him. But I want you to know that young man had a great big smile on his face talking about the Lord. He was happy. His old boss called him, wanted him back, and he was like, no. I'm just telling you, God can bless you in spite of what harm is done to you when you are persecuted, but you got to be willing to stand, even if it costs you a job, even if it costs you a friend. Sometimes it's going to cost you. That's what it is when you're persecuted. But you've got to be willing to stand. You know, in our culture, just like in Jesus' day, a lot of persecution comes from people who claim to be believers, but their hearts aren't right with God. And they've allowed sin and compromise in their life. And so when you do what's right, it shines a light on them, and they don't like that. And so they'll call you names, and they'll try to bring you down to their level. You know... I've told this before, but when I worked at a bank, before I got in full-time ministry, I would have my Bible, I would read my Bible during the slow times, and some of the other tellers would read their Harlequins or their People magazines. And, but one day, they, they started asking me questions, and I you know, tried to answer their questions honestly and from the Scripture, and it got me in trouble. A few days later, my boss calls me in and says, we don't want you talking about your faith anymore. I didn't have to approach anybody. In fact, it seemed like even more after that, people would ask me questions about the Lord, 
and I got lots of opportunities to share my faith. If anything, more opportunities after that. But I'm just telling you that, yes, in this world, there are lots of lost people that will give you a hard time. There's also a lot of religious people that will give you a hard time. That even those who call themselves Christian many times will persecute you when you choose to live godly, when you choose to live righteously for the Lord Jesus Christ. So you carry a Bible, you talk about your faith, you share the Lord with others, you get involved in ministry, and somebody's going to persecute you. Somebody's going to call you a hypocrite. Somebody's going to say you're a fanatic. Somebody's going to say you're just pushing your religion on people. My daughter Leslie, many years ago, she wrote a paper for an English class. They said, write about who you think was the most influential person in history. And get this, they said you could write about Hitler. They said you could write about Muhammad. Leslie wrote about Jesus. I'm like, duh. <laughs> He's the pivotal point of history. He changed history, changed eternity. Her teacher gave her a C. No grammatical errors, just simply for the reason that she said Jesus was not the most influential person in history. I went to talk to her. I'm like, you said they could write about anybody. She says, yeah, but Muhammad was more influential than Jesus. Paul was more influential than Jesus. And she said, I'm a Christian. She didn't like somebody talking about Jesus, and yet she claimed to be a Christian. I'm just telling you, whether it's a bad grade or you get your pay, Lord, God will take care of you. You don't need to worry about what, what ungodly people do to you. He will bless you. He'll take care of you. Amazing. But if you stand up for Jesus, somebody's not going to like it. But just remember this. Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. They hated Jesus. Not everybody loved Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And not everybody's going to love you. In fact, if you're really like Jesus, there's going to be a lot of people that just flat out hate you, and they're going to want to persecute you. All who live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You know, if that was just the end of the story, it'd be kind of depressing. We just want to hide somewhere, move into a monastery so we don't have to deal with people. But that's not all there is to it. The kingdom of heaven is ours. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The King, Jesus, He set up reign in our hearts and lives. And I want to tell you, it is such a blessing to live for God and to serve the Lord. And this persecution that we go through, it just lasts for a short time. Second. Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, our light affliction. This is the Apostle Paul, you know, the guy that was stoned, beaten, left for dead, snake bitten, went through all kinds of persecution. He says our light affliction. It's for a moment. It's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. See, what you're going through here in this life, it's just, it's just a moment. But the rewards are eternal. The trouble, the pain, temporary. 
The rewards last forever. Jesus, Jesus mentions one of the ways that we are persecuted in Matthew 5.11. He said, when they revile you. Now, in our country, this is probably the most common way that we are persecuted. They'll revile you. They speak against you. They talk bad about you. They criticize you. And it happens to all of us when we serve the Lord. You know, I myself, <clears throat> I make a lot of mistakes. I, I am so far from perfect. So if anybody feels led to come tell me, I'm just telling you it's not necessary. I know. But that being said, I have tried to live for God and to serve the Lord and His purpose in my life. And you know what? I've been called the devil. I've been called a hypocrite. I've been called narrow-minded. I had people tell me, you're not a pastor, you don't have a pastor's heart. I had somebody tell me I didn't care about the lost. Another person said that I didn't care about the elderly. Another person said I didn't care about the poor. I've been told I'm too harsh, too judgmental, that my preaching makes people feel condemned. One person my, my, said my family was so afraid of me, none of them would ever step out of line. Then when I was a youth pastor, somebody said that I wasn't worth my salary. You know, I was making the big bucks as that lowly youth pastor. They said I wasn't worth my salary. I wonder what they'd say now. Oh, my goodness. Just saying. All through the years, you know what? I had times when somebody accused me of being racist. In fact, somebody said our whole church was racist, by the way. One person questioned my love for Jesus. They said, do you, do you, have, are, you have any passion whatsoever for the Lord? They said, you're stoic. It's amazing the stuff that people will come up with to say. I had one person tell me that I was destroying their church, that nobody would be left when I was done. One person wrote a letter talking about how that we were raising money for a building that we had no intention to build. They said, I'm going to report you to Fox News. Well, we've been in that building for nine years now. And it's paid for. And I praise God. He deserves all the glory. But I'm just telling you, on and on the list goes. It's amazing the stuff that people have said over the years. And, and listen, and none of it was any of you. Praise the Lord. I feel like the most blessed pastor because we have such sweet people. Somebody said, well, maybe I'm working on a new list. No, I tell you, we are, we are so blessed in this church. We don't have, we love one another. We bless one another. We don't talk bad about one another. You know, it's so common in the body of Christ. Some people just automatically think other people are talking bad about them. I don't believe that in this church. Oh, this is, a, this is a, a place that is so blessed with the people of God that support one another and love one another. But as you serve Jesus, there's always going to be accusations and lies and judgment and criticism. What are we supposed to do when we're reviled? Paul says, 1 Corinthians 4, 12 to 13, we labor working with our own hands, being reviled. We bless. What are you going to do when they talk bad about you? Bless. Got real quiet. Oh, come on. Now, if I said, here's what it says... When you're reviled, let them have it. People would cheer and shout. See, that's that old nature. What are we supposed to do? We bless. We're not going to say something ugly back. Instead, we're just going to bless. 
being persecuted, we endure. We're not going to quit. We're not going to just walk away and give up. No, we're going to endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We've been made as the filth of the world, the offscoring of all things until now. See, when we're hurt, when we feel like quitting, we just keep going. We just bless and keep on keeping on. And we look to Jesus as our example. 1 Peter 2, 21 through 23. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow His steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in His mouth, who when He was reviled, did not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not threaten but committed himself to him who judges righteously. You see, we just turn it over to God. We just let God take care of it. Don't be one of those angry Christians. Don't retaliate against those that have attacked you and wronged you. Don't be unchristian. Be Christ-like instead. If we retaliate, we get mad. You see, we're just trading away that blessing. The blessing that comes from us taking that persecution for righteousness sake and we just keep serving God and God is glorified in it. But I want to tell you this morning that Satan will do everything he can to discourage you, to get you to back down, to defeat you. But we have a choice to serve God and live for God and truly allow God to be seen in our life. I want you to realize that when... We suffer persecution, just like with Stephen. A lot of the time, God will use that to shine a light in this world. That when we suffer persecution, what, what is intended to discourage us instead can strengthen our faith and grow us in the Lord. That our faith is like gold tried in the fire. When we suffer persecution, a lot of the time, the things that that the enemy meant for harm, God is going to turn it around for our good. You know, throughout church history, the death of martyrs has just spread the fire of the gospel around the world. And I want to—I just want to read to you this list quickly of these disciples. We know that the Scripture tells us that James was beheaded. The rest of these, this is just from church history, but it tells us that Philip was scourged and thrown into prison, then crucified. Matthew was slain with a sword. James the less was stoned to death. Matthias was stoned and then beheaded. Andrew was crucified, then left hanging on a cross for three days. Peter was crucified upside down at his own request because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified in the same way our Lord was. Jude was crucified. Bartholomew was beaten with clubs and then crucified. Thomas was speared to death. Simon the Zealot was crucified. John was exiled to the Isle of Patmos where they say that he was boiled in oil and yet he lived. But here's what I know. Is that if you want to be quiet about Jesus and just kind of go with the flow, you don't have to worry much about persecution. These men couldn't do it. They had to tell somebody. They had to talk about it. If they would have just been quiet. But they had to tell people. 
Even when their life was on the line, even when they said, we're going to put you to death, they said, I don't care, I'm not going to deny you. They still wanted to talk about Jesus. I want to encourage you. Be prepared to take a little persecution for His namesake. That you talk about Jesus. That you share what you have. That you tell other people about the One who saved you and changed your life. He's worthy of that. Amen? Amen. You know, when times of persecution come, I know people in our country, they're so afraid of persecution. When times of persecution come, one of the things that happens is it has a purifying effect on the church. People either get in or they get out. They make up their mind they really want to serve God or they just quit playing church. And I, I just want to encourage you. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the words of our Savior. Stand with me. We're going to pray. And I'd like for our prayer partners to come.